As we continue this morning in our message series on how Christ sets us free, we are rounding the bend into Easter, really in the Easter season now already. So this is a good time to be reminded of how Christ has set us free, first of all, from sin and death because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those two things will be on our minds uh, this morning and the next few weeks as we roll into Easter and even afterward. And this morning, in just a little while, we're going to share together in the Lord's Supper. I'll explain that a little bit more uh, later on. We're going to share together in the Lord's Supper what Jesus told us to do as believers to remember him and what he has done for us uh, on the cross and in the resurrection. So we're going to do that together in just a little while. Uh, No doubt the cross is one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Christian faith and of the Bible. I was reminded of this when I read that just a few years ago, the Franciscan University in Ohio posted a series of ads on Facebook. Uh, And the purpose of the ads were to promote their university online theology programs. Uh, But Facebook blocked one of their ads. The the monitors on Facebook did not like the content of one of the uh, Franciscan monks' ads, the university's ads. Uh, It was an ad that depicted the crucifix, which is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And uh, we have the cross because the cross is empty. He's risen from the grave. Uh, but you've seen a crucifix that has Jesus still on the cross. Well, that's what that was featured in their ad. Uh, and it was interesting, the Facebook monitors said their reason for rejecting that ad was that the depiction of the cross was, quote, shocking, sensational, and excessively violent, unquote. But what may have surprised the monitors at Facebook is that the Franciscan University agreed with them. Uh, They posted this from the Franciscan University. They said, indeed, the crucifixion of Christ is all those things. It's the most sensational action in history. Uh, human, Human beings executed God. And yes, it's shocking. God took on flesh and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And yes, it's excessively violent. A man scourged to within an inch of his life, nailed to a cross, left to die, and all the hate of all the sin in the world poured out upon him. But then they went on to say, he was God. And he could have descended from the cross at any moment. No, he didn't do that because his love kept him there. Love for you and love for me. That we might not be eternally condemned for our sins, but have eternal life in him and the heavenly father. End quote. I don't think the Facebook uh, monitors intended to give a platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that's exactly what they did. Uh, The cross is not comfortable. It's not comfortable sometimes even to Christians. It's certainly not comfortable to those who don't understand the cross. But to understand the resurrection of Christ, we always have to go back to the cross. The cross and the resurrection are in God's economy and God's planning one event. Uh, They go together. They always go together. Uh, So we celebrate what God has done for us in the cross this morning when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now to do that, we're going to go back to the groundwork of theology of the cross before we celebrate. We uh, we typically go back to Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper, and we'll see what he says about it in just a little while. But 
the theology of it is thick, and that's where we're going back to this morning. You know, Christians, uh, we like to wade in the shallow end of Scripture. We, we like those easy applications. We like to, to remember that everything is positive and glowing, and, and uh, especially in our uh, social media world, everything has got to have positivity. But sometimes when you go back to the Bible, in order to get to the reminder that God is always good, we've got to see the, the tough stuff. We've got to wade in the deep end of the theology of the Bible. And that's what we're going to do for a few minutes this morning. Uh, we need to be reminded that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating a spiritual event that took place for each believer the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. God did something you could not do to set you free from sin and death. And not just set you free to live for you, but to set you free to live for Christ. To be the person that God created you to be. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6, but let me set that up for you just a moment. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who writes the book of Romans, is leading into chapter 6 with a, with a discussion of Jesus Christ as a type of the second Adam. And this is what he means. All human beings are born into the bloodline of Adam. That is, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The, the ones who sinned, and they brought sin and death into the world. The Apostle Paul refers to him as the first Adam. And you and I, every human being, are born into the bloodline of the first Adam. The moment we're born on the planet Earth, we're born into the bloodline of the first Adam. So we are born into a bloodline of sin and death. To break that sin and death, God sent the second Adam. Jesus Christ is God's second Adam, meaning spiritually he breaks that connection for us between sin and death. And every person, Jesus' words, every person born again, when you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you are born into his spiritual bloodline. And your attachment, your association to, the, to Adam's first bloodline is broken. You are set free from sin and death when you are born again in Christ. And I could stop right there and everybody would go home with your head swimming just a little bit, trying to get your mind around that, but I'm not going to do that for us. We're going to go even a little bit deeper. Because after Paul in chapter 5 of Romans discusses uh, how, how the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we're born again in him spiritually. We break that association, that connection with the old Adam, the old bloodline. Then he's going to talk about how we are set free in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. How that happened, in other words. Now before we read this, let me, let me say, the Apostle Paul is directly associating this with the ordinance of baptism. And you'll remember that picture. When you were baptized... Uh, you go under the water, that's a symbol of your old life dying away. You rise up out of the water, that's a symbol of rising in new life in Christ. And that's, that's where, how Paul is applying it. Uh, this morning we're going to apply it to the crucifixion itself and the second ordinance we celebrate, the Lord's Supper. And you'll see how these all go together in the mind of the Apostle Paul and in the theology of the cross of Jesus Christ for all Christians. So look there with me. Romans chapter 6, we're going to start reading at verse 1. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, before we open up, let me tell you, the Apostle Paul anticipates a question. And the question is this, if I am set free from the bloodline of Adam, does that, does that mean I get to do whatever I want to do? 
I'm saved in Christ. I can live however I want to live. Sin doesn't matter anymore. I'm set free from that. So here's his answer to that question. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all, who, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if, if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that, our, so that the body ruled by sin may be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is set free from sin. Now you'll see again the Apostle Paul packages the crucifixion and the resurrection together. And we're going to see in the coming weeks how those two things to go, go together as we focus on the resurrection. But this morning we get started by focusing on the crucifixion and what Christ has done for us. And the image that this is wrapped in is one of those uncomfortable images. Uh, and a lot of times, 21st century Christians have a difficult time associating with this image. Very simply put, it's an image of bondage, an in the image of slavery. That is, Paul teaches that when you, before you come to Christ, before you're set free in Christ, you are a slave to sin and death. You cannot break free on your own. But once you come to Christ and He sets you free, you are, you're not set free to do whatever you want to do. You are set free now to serve Christ. Early in March, Mark Adams, the coach, the basketball coach at Texas Tech, was released from his position. He actually decided ultimately to step down. A controversy started when he was sharing with some of his players that in truth, the Bible teaches, and he quoted scripture, the Bible teaches that everybody, everybody serves somebody and needs to be submissive to somebody. And we have that reflected in our relationship with Christ. It's just the truth. And he applied that to coaching, that players are submissive to their coaches. And he quoted one of the many passages of scriptures, and I actually couldn't find the direct scripture, the, the, the scripture he directly quoted, but one of the many passages of scriptures that relates to slavery in the ancient world. It offended a lot of people. He was called on the carpet by the university. How dare you quote the Bible and a, and a verse that applies to slavery that offends a lot of people? Because slavery is offensive. Yes. Slavery is reprehensible. Slavery is awful. There's no excuse for the human heritage of slavery. So why does the Bible use it so often? And why does Paul use it here and elsewhere? Why does Jesus even bring it up and use it for an analogy, an illustration of what it means to be set free in Christ? Well, he uses it because of that stark, uncomfortable reminder. Now, in the ancient world, slavery was, was really nothing like what we are accustomed to in the 19th century in the United States. Slavery in the ancient world was a common practice. It had, had absolutely nothing to do with race, nothing to do with ethnicity. Uh, scholars have estimated that in the Roman, the city of Rome itself, in Italy itself, 60% of the population were slaves. And when Rome would conquer a people, they would bring the best of the best in, the teachers, the doctors, and they would put them in servitude to households. People had household slaves that taught their children. Again, slavery is, is reprehensible in, in, in any generation. 
But what's important to understand is in the ancient world, everybody knew slaves. Everybody knew people who were slaves. Even slaves owned slaves. And everybody knew that conscription was a type of slavery. You could sign on to be a servant. You could choose that lifestyle to pay off a debt. And when you were free from that debt, you could be set free. And the only other way usually to be set free as a slave was to die. That was it. So every slave knew that if they fulfilled their debt, or if their master chose to set them free, they could be set free. The only other way was to die. And they would be free. Keep that in mind. As the Apostle Paul raises this image and contrasts our servitude, our bondage to sin and death with our service to Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. He set us free, not so we could do whatever we wanted, but so that we could freely serve God as he always designed us to do. And we would no longer be in bondage to sin and to death. When you celebrate the Lord's Supper in a little while, you're celebrating that Christ has set you free from sin and from death. I want to go back to this passage with you for just a moment. And we're going to to look at a couple of principles, spiritual truths that the Apostle Paul applies to our freedom in Christ that are directly associated with the crucifixion of Christ. In other words, these are true because of the crucifixion of Christ followed by the resurrection of Christ. They go together. We're focusing on the crucifixion. So look at these two spiritual truths with me that help us understand how we are set free from sin and death in Christ. Set free to live for Christ. First of all, we are united in his death. We are united in his death. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be slaves to sin. We are united with him in the likeness of his death so that we will be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. The term translated likeness means in the form or the image. There there is a direct spiritual association between you and Jesus Christ and his crucifixion on the cross. Later in this chapter, there's a very famous verse, verse 23, that Christians often quote related to the gospel and salvation. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice that contrast, but notice where it starts. The wages of sin is death. Someone must pay for your sin. And the only way to pay for that and set you free is for someone to die. When you trust in Christ as your Savior, here's what Paul means. You put all your faith and trust in Christ to deliver you from your sins. You said his death on the cross is my death on the cross. He paid for my sin. It's not somewhere out there something. It's you. And you acknowledge you sin, a sin, and you couldn't pay that debt. And that was your death on the cross. You united with him in a spiritual form, a spiritual image, a spiritual likeness. That was you. Christ did that for you to set you free. You know what this also teaches? It teaches that while we think of sins as being things that we do, 
The Bible clearly teaches that sin is a condition of humanity. It's not first and foremost what you do, it's who you are. Because what you do is a result of who you are. So the first thing to deal with is the thing that we can't deal with on our own, and that's the condition, our spiritual condition, that we are sinners, and we need to be set free, and we can't be set free on our own. Because to be set free requires a death. And then we turn to Christ, and we acknowledge Christ died for me in my place, and His death is sufficient to cover my penalty of sin. That's why it's so very important that we all understand to be saved in Christ, we acknowledge we are sinners. It's not about feeling better about yourself. It's about turning to Christ and saying, I repent of my sin. I'm a sinner and I can't do a thing about it. But you died on the cross for me. Why did he do that? When you are united with him in his death, did you catch what Paul says? Sin then is rendered powerless and we are no longer slaves to sin. That old sinner self, the, 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 the flesh in you that falls to temptation, that old sinner self in you, sin was rendered powerless. The, the term means sin is now impotent. It has no power, no control over you. This is why we say, listen, in Christ, you don't have to sin. You don't have to. Now, sometimes we do. Now, you'll be tempted to sin, and sometimes you might fall to that temptation, and God is always faithful to forgive you when you confess that. But the key here is, when you have the mindset that you can't help yourself, you're saying the cross is a lie. Because the cross set you free, rendered sin powerless in your life. You don't have to do that. You really don't. Believer in Christ, listen. Your sin was taken to the cross by Christ. His death was your death. They're connected. So first... Paul reminds us that we are united in his death, and then second, we are freed by his death. We are freed by his death. If you're, if you're reading your own Bible, here's a good exercise. We're not going to go back and, and look at all the times Paul says this, but go back sometime, read through this passage again, and circle, underscore, underline, highlight every time Paul says, so that, or in order that. They mean the same thing. God did this so that this would be the outcome. God did this so that this would be the outcome. What you're going to find is at least four times in those seven verses, Paul says, in order that or so that. This is a, a, a linear action of God that you became part of when you trusted Christ as your Savior. You were in, united with Him in His death, and by that, you were freed from sin because of His death because of the crucifixion, and because of the resurrection. So that, Paul says, verse 6, we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Now look at verse 7. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. There it is. What are the ways slaves could be set free? Remember? The master sets them free. They'll fulfill their debt. Or they die. 
Sin is your master, not going to set you free. You can't fulfill the debt that must be fulfilled to pay for your sin. What's the alternative? You died with Christ, and Christ set you free. His death was the payment for our sin. And by that, you were set free in Christ. In this series, we have talked about freedom in Christ consistently. And you'll remember, if you rewind to where we started in John chapter 8, our key verse for the whole series is that if the Son of God will set you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In John chapter 8 and in other places in the Bible, the word translated free refers to free from an obligation or a duty. And this is how the Bible and how Jesus applies it in John chapter 8, that we are set free from the obligation or the duty to try to save ourselves, to try to fulfill the law, to try to be good enough, to try to be religious enough that we can set ourselves free, that we can pay our own debt. Christ sets us free from that obligation, from the law. Because the law enslaves us as well. The law enslaves us to the notion that we can be good enough for God. And we can't. In verse 7 here, Paul uses a different word that we translated as freed. It's a legal term. It means justified or pardoned. This word envisions you in the courtroom of Almighty God and the judge is seated there in the judge's seat And he's about to pass judgment on your sin. And then he sees that you are united with Christ on the cross. And when he wraps the gavel, instead of saying guilty, he says free. You're free to go. Because Jesus already paid your debt. You're not responsible for that debt anymore. And when the Father sees you, when the judge sees you, he sees that Jesus paid your debt on the cross for you. That's why when you celebrate and participate in the Lord's Supper, you're celebrating your freedom in Christ. You are free from sin and death. Free to live for Christ. Not to live for yourself, but to live for Christ. You're free not to keep trying to redeem yourself. You're free to let go of the idea that you have to be good enough for God. You're free to stop clinging to that shame and that guilt from the past. You're free to get rid of the notion, the idea that you've got to be good and perfect before God will accept you. No, this cross tells you Christ already died for you. And when you say yes to Christ, repent of your sin, Turn to him, you're saying yes to the cross and the resurrection of Christ. He did that for me. He did that to set me free. And once free in Christ, as Jesus put it, I am free indeed. I'm free indeed. I don't have to go back to the old sinner self. That old sinner self has has died. It was nailed to the cross. It's buried. Now I live in new life in Jesus Christ. I live the life he always designed me to live, to serve him. When you celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, keep that in mind. You are celebrating your freedom in Christ and what Christ has done for you. That's what the cross is all about. 